0: Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones on the Spiritual Maturity Team here at Saddleback Church, and I'm joined by my friend...
1: <laughs> Rob Jacobs, pastor of Spiritual Maturity here.
0: Pause for applause. There's no applause. They're clapping out there. It's hard to tell <laughs> from the studio, but they are clapping out there. Uh, this is going to be a fun day because we're jumping back into the topic of strength, and we're going to be talking with a good friend of ours. Uh, but but recapping some of our previous episodes, uh, the last episode in particular, talking about strength, we we started talking about... Going beyond just knowledge for growth and going beyond, you know, so heart, soul, mind, but then getting into the very practical, hands-on, action-oriented aspect of our personal growth, which is the area of strength. Right. We talked about the importance of wisdom to to help us grow and to live life skillfully. Don't forget that you talked about meta-learning. We talked about your favorite term, meta-learning. While you were learning. Yeah. That was was so meta. (laughs) That was so meta. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, so regarding strength, we talked about proficiencies and capabilities that in spiritual growth, it's not just important that you know certain things, but it's also important that you know how to do certain things, right. that there are skills you can acquire that will help you grow over time. That's the meta-learning idea, right. that you can get better at
1: learning, Right. which will help you grow. So another, another way we think about is leveraging. We want to be leveraging yeah. skills to not only help ourselves grow, but to help others grow right. or influence them.
0: Yes, very good. So, who are we talking about? Who are we talking to today?
1: We are talking with Tommy Hilliker. He is the pastor of ministry here at Subak Church. He's one of our elders as well. So, he's the base pastor of 301. We call yeah. it. So, Pastor Tommy is awesome, and he's going to jump in with us and talk more about this idea of why strength is so important and how we learn so we can serve. You know, this is about growing so we can go do. Yeah, those ideas.
0: Yeah, one thing we say on our team a lot is that is that maturity should lead to ministry. That's right. But there's also a truth that ministry actually helps us grow as well.
1: Yep, so, we, we grow to go, but also in our going, we are growing. Yeah,
0: we grow in yeah. doing those things. So Tommy's going to help us expand on those things. It's going to be a great conversation, yep. so stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for Doable Discipleship. Today we're here with our good friend... Tommy Hillicker, thanks for joining us, dude. Uh, it's good to be here. Good yeah, to be bro. here, bro. Thanks, thanks for, for having being me here. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Our pleasure. Uh, we want to dive right in and start talking about your personal journey a little bit. So, can you okay. talk about just your, um, your kind of broad spiritual story a little bit and how you kind of came to be the pastor of ministry for Saddleback?
2: Well, that is a long story. We'll have to do that another time, but I'll give you some of my personal story of sure. just uh, even how I met Jesus, because that's really yeah. where discipleship starts is sure. when you come to Jesus. Um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. I grew up in a mm-hmm. home where uh, we were Christmas and Easter folks. we That's the only time we went to church. And uh, all the other times we were at the beach, because I'm from mm-hmm. Orlando, Florida. Man, we love the beach. Most of my little kid baby pictures. I'm on the beach. Nice. Um <laughs> had a great tan. It was you looking good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um and then we all got jobs. And then we all got jobs. Never got we a all, tan again. Oh yeah. yeah Turn ghost white after that. <laughs> yeah. Um but just uh that's that's where we we spent our weekends was just hanging with friends at the beach and um then my mom and dad had a massive falling out. Uh and because of that they ended up getting a divorce when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. Um As you can imagine, a divorce has a massive impact on a family, and it certainly impacted my family, and train wrecked all of us, uh, even though I was a little kid when it happened. I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew I was losing my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad was leaving, and and there wasn't anything I could do about it. Uh, My dad didn't move very far away. We ended up, you know, like many families that break up, McDonald's or Denny's or some restaurant became that central point of where Mm -hmm. you you would do the handoff, and so... I uh, remember many handoffs, but uh, one in particular, I remember my dad having a long conversation with my mom saying, I'm going to take him to church. And hmm. you know, are you okay with that? And I didn't know what that meant because um, I, I, we would only went to church on Christmas and Easter, and it certainly wasn't Christmas or Easter. Yeah. Um, and so my dad found this little country church, that we started going to, and to be honest with you, I hated it. Hmm. I was like i, I you know I got to go to this thing called Sunday school. I go to school five, <laughs> five days a week, i don 't want to go to school, and that's like it's in not, on my beach time. Is, you know, where's the beach right Where are we at? <laughs> Every kid
0: wants more school for the weekend
2: exactly, yeah. exactly, uh, and so you might not want to name your you know Sunday school do yeah. different different program, right, <laughs> especially for a kid who doesn't know jesus yeah. um, so i but I remember going in and falling in love with with church. Um, and what happened over the next couple of years was that my dad began to change. Uh, my dad actually had an affair on my mom, mm. um, and which caused the divorce. And, and through that, uh, my dad just became a different person. He changed. I watched him morph before my eyes uh, into just a kind, gentle, loving, caring man. And my mom saw it too. My mom saw there was something very different about my dad. And because of the difference that Jesus made in his life, uh, my mom and dad, a few years later, after the divorce, got remarried back to each other. Wow. wow. God had taken and healed our families uh, and, and brought us back. And so I, I learned at a very young age that uh, I don't know who God is. I just know he's quite amazing. He does he good is. things. He <laughs> does good things. He's absolutely amazing. Wow. And it wasn't too long after that that I was driving home with my dad. And I remember having this moment of realizing I need, I wanted to go to heaven. I needed Jesus. I wanted to go to heaven. And it was in that moment that my dad looked at me. He's like, well, do you know what Jesus did for you? And I'm like, I do know what he did for me. He died for me, and he loves me. And I don't really understand all the theology because I'm just a little kid. I didn't say that theology word. But I don't really understand <laughs> like, <wow>. all <laughs> what that means. But I just know that I need Jesus. I want to go to heaven. Hmm. And, uh, and he's like, all right, that's great. Now, what happened after that was really interesting. And this is, uh, this is this goes into my own discipleship journey and story. Um, the next week, he's like, "Let me get you to meet with a deacon, and then you know we can, you you can learn more about Jesus and receive Jesus at that moment." Yeah. Now, what was really surprising about that is that I remember going into this room and this deacon talking to me about Jesus and us even getting down on my knees and praying mm-hmm. and asking Jesus into my life. But what was amazing about that moment was over the next, I would say, decade plus of my life, I doubted my salvation. Mm-hmm because I kept going back to that moment and I just kept going back on, I don't remember saying the prayer exactly. I don't remember what was going on in that moment, but it was crystal clear in my mind and heart the conversation I had with my dad mm-hmm. in that in the car. And I and I remember talking to all the way through through college, um, you know, having this call in my life in the ministry, and yet at the same time doubting my salvation and being so mm-hmm. confused by that. Like, mm-hmm. how can I doubt my salvation and yet still and have this call in my life in ministry? Shouldn't this be cleared up? Like, why am mm-hmm. I having such Internal conflict, why is it so hard for me to believe that i 'm saved and yet i 'm called to the ministry, so I was in massive like massive confusion internally yeah. that I told no one about hmm. um, and what I realized is that that uh, that God is more concerned about our salvation date than perhaps we are hmm. uh, he 's more concerned about the fact that we understand at the moment at which he came into our lives and our hearts that the Holy Spirit entered into us. The reason I had such confusion was because jesus didn 't enter my heart. Um, with that deacon in that room. Hmm. Jesus actually entered my heart. When I was talking with my dad in that conversation, oh, that's right. powerful. When I when I was saying I need Jesus, and I, in that moment I remember sitting in the car with my dad. He was dri- we were driving home from church. In my heart, saying, "God, I love you. I need you. I'm asking you to come in my life." Yeah. that was when I got saved. The moment uh, your heart. Turned. The moment my heart turned. The moment mm-hmm. I asked and called out to the Lord and said, "Come, save me." I don't even know what that means as a young kid. Come into my heart. That was my conversion moment. Yeah, that's when the Holy Spirit came into me when I called out uh, and asked for for called up to Jesus. Hey, would you, would you save me? Yeah. Um, I need, I know I need you. I want to go to heaven. Would you save me? Now here's, what's absolutely amazing for my entire life. I doubted my salvation because I was, I was going back to this moment where I couldn't remember what happened. Mm. And the moment that I realized that, wait a minute, my heart, I, I received Jesus in the car. That's when the Holy Spirit came inside of me. The Holy Spirit instantly confirmed it. Mm. I've never doubted again. Wow, and so I had this moment of realizing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How many people go through life doubting their salvation? Uh, and so I remember uh, teaching. Actually, was a, one of our, our classes. And just after I, you know, I, I it was a moment. I actually asked, "Have you ever doubted your salvation?" And I had almost hundred percent of the hands in the room hmm. go up. Yeah. And, a, and a few years back at one of our staff meetings, so we've got, we've got 400 staff. I asked our staff, "Have you ever doubted your salvation? And how many times have you gotten saved over and over and over again?" I remember right? that, meeting. that you prayer prayer again? Prayer again. I remember. <laughs> okay, yeah. do you remember? Like, I raise my I hand. <laughs> think every person in the room raised their hands, yeah. and it was kind of one of those aha moments. Wait a minute, we all doubt. We all have these moments. Where we're wondering, is Jesus inside of me? And it really started me on this journey of trying to figure out what what are some of those key moments? What are those some things that are perhaps missing? And uh, what, it, what can we do to help believers? Because, uh, you know, salvation isn't, it wasn't hard... For us, it's just a matter of belief. Mm. Um, But Jesus did all the hard work and and all the stuff on the cross that makes it possible for us to to be saved. Mm. But for us as believers, we end up getting so stuck in these places of doubt, Mm. and uh, and it really came for me the realization of the reason we get uh, stuck in these places of doubt is because we're not really understanding how to hear the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's job in discipleship, the Holy Spirit's place in our lives, Mm. and the fact that Jesus said it's better for me to go away because of what I'm going to send you. Now think about that for a second. How is it better for Jesus to go away? This is Jesus. How is it better for him to go away? And I remember coming in that verse going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is it better if you go away? Because you're Jesus. What is it to be so much better? And it's the Holy Spirit. And so what I realized in my own evangelical upbringing, and this was my aha moment, was I learned about God the Father. I learned about Jesus the Savior but I never learned about the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Hmm. I never learned about who the Spirit is inside of us, Christ inside of us. And so that was part of my journey that just uh, literally changed my life. Man, that's awesome.
0: So, so what was that like? I mean, once once that clicked for you and you got it, like, what's the experience for you been since where you go, this really is better? Because I think a lot of us Christians, like, we've all sat around and thought, like, wouldn't it be so sweet to, like, walk down the road with Jesus and to have been there in the flesh, and then we hear him say, no, it's better that I go so I can send this helper to you. I mean, how's that—what's that experience been like for you, and how have you experienced that, and how has that
2: just blown your discipleship open? Um. A lot of different ways. So you know, when I read that Christ came to give us life abundantly, so I've so many things in my life just are not abundant, mm-hmm. and I've and I've struggled with that verse of going like, wait a minute, I've gone through so many hard things. You know, my wife. Um, uh Amy um you know really early on in her marriage was diagnosed with Lyme disease and we didn't know all what that meant at the time mm. but because she has Lyme disease she ended up being bedridden before we even had the diagnosis she was bedridden for almost 2 mm. years i had to hire a nanny to take care of my kids and wow. and uh it was it was such a crazy time for us for her her just being chronically ill for so many years and i remember um being in my in my living room and you know she would obviously be in bed and she would be asleep um and I would be down there after the kids were asleep, you know, because we had three kids, three young kids mm. at the time. And we were, I would just sit there and I'd cry. I just cried to God, going, mm. God, I don't get this. You said the, but I don't understand the abundant life. Is this really, was this really what you'd planned for me? And so, and for Amy, because there's got to be more to this whole thing. Um, and, and God was taking me in the desert, mm. He He took me in the desert in order to teach me some significant things about what does it mean to have the abundant life. And it was in the desert I really realized that, that all of us um, in our spiritual lives, or actually in our entire lives, we really have four awakenings that take place. Hmm. Um, the first awakening is the awakening to the need for a Savior. We, the Holy Spirit is doing that in our lives. We awaken to the knowledge of going, I need Jesus. And for me, that happened when I was little. Um, mm-hmm. I need Jesus, I, you know, for whatever that causes you to do this, to realize, or what event happens in your life, to realize you need Jesus. Uh, that's that first awakening that takes place. Some people go their entire life, Without even having that awakening to know they need a savior, some of them go most of their life and later on in their lives before they come to Jesus. That was my grandfather; he came to Jesus at seventy-two, so he spent most of his life n- not having that awakening. Mm. Um, I feel so blessed that that God aw- awoke in my heart early right. uh, to the to the need of the savior. Um the second awakening that we have is this what I call this awakening for spiritual things. So we we meet Jesus, we have the awakening we know we need him, we give our hearts to him, and then through the Holy Spirit and I don't know you know for me in evangelical circles to say it was the Holy Spirit. They said Jesus, um we are learning uh these different kind of spiritual things that uh, are new to us, and so we we learn the that it's it's almost the way I, I think of like these spiritual things is like going to a foreign country. When you mm. go into a foreign country, there's a new language that you have to learn, right? Because yeah. they don't speak the language that you have. Well, there's a heavenly language found in the Bible. Mm. Uh, there's a language of words like redemption and justification. Uh, these different names of God that all have these deep implications for the believer's life. But you mm. you learn a new language. You learn uh, when you go into a new country, there's new rules that you learn, right? right? Uh, you, of how this country functions and what you can do and what you couldn't do, uh, and for us in the Bible, that's we call those commandments. Yeah. You know, we learn this new this new way of living of like, hey, turn the other cheek and love your neighbor and mm. be patient and be giving and be generous with your time and generous with your resources, and so you learn this new way, uh, this new way of living. Um, when you go in another country, oftentimes the rules of driving are different, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing in the, when you you come into the spiritual component, this awakening of spiritual things, uh, where you figure out, this is how I handle my life. This is how I handle my family, according to God's word. This is how I handle my business. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how I, I, I'm supposed to handle my spouse. And this is mm-hmm. what a, a marriage is supposed to look like. This is what I'm supposed to look like as a dad or as a mom, mm-hmm. um, as a neighbor. And so you, you all of a sudden realize Listen, this is totally different from anywhere else in the world. This is yeah. a this is a uh, a kingdom living, a kingdom lifestyle, a kingdom person. Yeah. Um, when you go into a, another country, you have to carry a passport with you, mm. right? And that passport is your identification. Well, part of the spiritual things you learn with the awakening of spiritual things is that you've got a new identity in Christ, mm. and you ha- and God wants to spend. You know Your whole life helping you shape and understand this new identity uh, mm. that he's given you. What I love in the Bible is that if you just do, and you can Google this, if you just do a search of uh, name changes in the Bible that God did, he loved to change people's names. Yep. Yeah. He loved to say, hey, Jacob, you're not Jacob anymore, buddy, you're Israel, right? Yeah. I mean, he mm-hmm. loved to change people's names. Mm. Uh, you're not Saul anymore, you're Paul. Uh, and I'm going to call you Peter because you're the rock. Yeah. He loved to change people's names in essence because, uh, as as you know, many of us know, names held a lot of meaning in the Old Testament and the mm-hmm. New Testament and in ancient culture. And God was saying a name, a name was attached to something. And so God was saying, I'm going to change your name because I'm changing your identity. Yeah. I'm changing who you are. And for us, our, our identity is found in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not what we think we are. It's not what others say we are. It's not even what we think about ourselves, but it's about who Jesus says we are, who God, who God says we are. That's a point where Christians really start
0: to look different from the world around them too because they start Christians who experience that second awakening start to do and think things that don't often make sense to the rest of the world. They start doing things that are that are based on kingdom motivations and not based on just the typical human motivations. So it seems like that's probably one of the places where you know, like Paul says that the things of the Spirit don't make sense to people who are of the flesh. Like there's that's where I think some some gap starts being created between well, it's also those who know Christ we, as Jesus. we yeah. talk when we yeah. think
1: about like in the in the maturity realm where we talk about heart, mm. right? We're talking about surrender, right? right? Because yeah. we're surrendering to the Lord the Lord of the kingdom, Mm. right? Lordship, that creates a new set of priorities that we live from. And so when we talk about, you know, we heart, soul, mind, strength, that's, you know, you're really hitting hard on the heart part. And it's, you know, it's it's really powerful. Yeah. Uh,
2: So we have this awakening to this, um, to our Savior, that we need a Savior. We have awakening to spiritual things. Um, and in the process of waking the spiritual things, that's what you're talking about. God's doing an inside job. Yeah, it's an inside job where He is He is re- He's not reconstructed. I used to think because you know I've I've seen this you know in lots of different ways, and there's nothing wrong with thinking about this, but you know th- that you know God's renovating. God's yeah. in there renovating, mm-hmm. and what I realize is God doesn't renovate the old man. He says you're a new creation. Yeah. He just looks at who you are and he bulldozes it. Yeah, I'm de- You know, <laughs> it's that's a demolition job. It's yeah. a demolition job. It's not a renovation job. Yeah, and in fact, he like takes all the old away and he starts digging up the foundation. He gets rid of the foundation. He's starting over mm-hmm. because he says we are a new creation in Him. It's not that we're an old creation that he's making newer. It doesn't say that. It says we are a new creation. We are a new man, a new woman. And so the old has gone away. So it's really a bulldozing effect that takes place. And then he starts with this inside job and all these spiritual things that begin to change us so that we look different, we think different. We are against culture. Um, I love the fact where the Bible talks about we are aliens in this world. This is Mm. not our home Mm -hmm. anymore. That we're supposed to be a people set apart. We're supposed to look different. Yeah we're supposed to talk different. We're sp- there should be a difference. In fact, if if you're going you talk about doable discipleship and you wonder like, you know, am I making a difference? Well, I think you'll if you're out among people People should be saying to you, there's something different about you. They mm. should be drawn to you in a way where they're going like, I I, I don't necessarily know what it is, but I know that you're different. Mm. There's things that you do and how you uh, act and things you you watch and don't watch mm. uh, in every area of your life where it's just different for you. Yeah. Um, now, what's hard about this uh, is that uh, so often... Um, and I know for me in my, my upbringing uh, the church I went to is very legalistic church that I went to is that we get caught up in this in this works mentality and yeah. doing mentality and we think okay if I just if I just do more and I be better and I be more then God will love me and we, we get in this mm. trap it's a very vicious cycle of thinking that God loves me based on what I do and it's just so not true God loves right. you because he died for you and you're his child and it has nothing absolutely nothing to do with what you do for him mm. but everything that he did for us on the cross. And so it's a, it's a trap we don't want to get into um, because then we get into this doing trap and, and God doesn't want us to be in a doing trap. He wants us to be in a relationship yeah. uh, with him. And so, they, um, so it's really not as hard as I, I used to make it really complicated. And then when I realized the sp- it's the spirit's job for my whole job, is to get to know the Holy Spirit. Mm. And as I get to know the Holy Spirit, he's the one who does all the renovations. See, I want to get mm. in there, and I want to pick up a hammer, and I want to pick up a shovel, and I want to help him. And God says, no, 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 no. I got it. Yeah. You just have relationship with me. Yeah. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to change your wants. Um, you just need to make the choice. I'll make the change. That's what God says to us. And so then so then we have this this third awakening that takes place in this journey. And all this is organic, right? This is not like a one, two, three, four step. Process. It's it's very fluid. It's everybody's different in their journey. It depends on like where you know. If for some of us, if you were if you were saved in more of a charismatic background, you're going to get a far greater introduction to the Holy Spirit right up front yeah. than for me as a saved in an evangelical background. Just because of the differences between just how we the things we put emphasis on. Um, but at some point, you're going to have what I call an awakening of healing and redeeming that's going to take place in your heart and life. This is what the Spirit's doing. So He's doing the inside job. He's doing construction. Um, he's working on it. But but there's going to be places that are going to have footholds or strongholds. Um, you know, the Bible talks about strongholds that there uh, and they, you know, if you remember Jericho, right? Jericho is referred to as a stronghold. Yeah. It's a fortress. We have strongholds. The word in the Bible talking about strongholds is our imagination, strongholds in our minds, mm. the way we think, the way we've been brought up, uh, the way we even think about who God is and who Jesus is, and the filter that we think about who He is. Mm. Um, is He truly a loving Father? Is He truly um, a God who blesses? Do I really have favor? Am I His kid? Like we, we have all these different competing thoughts that may. Maybe come through our mind or questions that we have, and God really wants to heal us and redeem every part of us. He wants to redeem our personalities, but we gotta let him. Uh, he wants to He wants to make us the best version of ourselves. Uh, if we're If we're hard nosed like like a Peter, he wants to soften us up. Um, if we're shy uh, like Moses. And you say, "Well, wait a minute. how do you know Moses was shy? Well, he spent forty years with sheep. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be an introvert, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you spend forty years with sheep, you're gonna be an introvert. Well, he wanted, you know he he was redeeming Moses' personality and making him more out front leader. God wants to redeem and heal every aspect of our lives, um, and that's through what the Spirit does. You know, for me, part of my journey uh, was realizing that I had strong codependency." Mm. Um, I think there's a there's a critical moment that a lot of believers sh- would hopefully have in their life, which is that they realize that, you know what, um, I'm broken and it's okay to be broken, but then realizing where are my broken places at? Where is it that I need healing? Uh, for some people, it might be that they have abuse that's taken place in their life. For some mm. people, they might have an addiction. Uh, for some people, it might be they feel like that they get bulldozed all the time, that people run over them, or that they live in a constant state of fear. Uh, and have, and because of that fear, it creates anxiety in them. God wants to redeem and heal all those places, and there's reasons for that. That's part of that renovation work that takes place. Mm. Uh, and so my awakening moment in this healing and redeeming journey was, I thought I was running the race. Uh, and I came to this place uh, through a really, you know, a broken, hurt relationship uh, that took place later on in my adult life that I realized I, I wasn't running the race. I was actually walking around the track with a broken leg. Mm. Um, and it was a hard moment to realize that you weren't, I wasn't running the race, but God in his love and graciousness wants me to run the race, wants you to run the race. And so he wanted to heal some broken places up in me. And the, mainly, the main one was codependency. Mm. And he did. And you know, and, and so now I'm running. I'm back to running. Mm-hmm. So
1: such an important point. You know, we're we're gonna have in a, a couple episodes from now, we're gonna have Ken Baughn, who's gonna talk about this this connection that you're making, Tommy, that talks about how our discipleship can actually be impacted by the emotional issues in our life and our unwillingness yes. to deal with these things. And and you meet people who are in their seventies and you find Man, they could have grown so much further in their discipleship, but they never got past something that happened when they were ten yeah. or nine. And so, like we had on recently, Johnny Baker talking about you know how valuable celebrate recovery is. Yeah, and celebrate for those of you guys, great. I wasn't on. I wasn't on that episode. But hi, my name is Robin. I struggle with fear and anger. You know, yeah. so my like goes back to identity, yeah. right? i mean, I, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I struggle with fear and anger. So dealing with those things for me has helped me grow and push through barriers in my discipleship. Mm. But sometimes you need to go even a little deeper than Celebrate Recovery. You Part of what your team does is you guys have counseling. Yes. Um, talk about that, like how, how you've seen people make breakthroughs in discipleship because they finally did the emotionally healthy thing of getting the counseling they needed or, or something that, to, to deal with an issue in their life.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think the starting point for everyone is is having this awakening moment of, I need help. Hmm. Uh, I need I need help in my marriage. I need help personally. Um, I need help uh, with you know, how I handle relationships. And so you know in recovery, they call it stepping out of denial. Um, we call it having that awakening moment. The prodigal son had his awakening moment. Hmm. Hey, I am sitting here in the slop, and servants at home are eating better than I do. I'm going home. Up until that point, though, he was fine to live in the slop and live in the muck and the mire, and and to live in a in a really a horrible situation until he had that awakening moment. He mm. was fully aware of what was going on, fully aware of it. And so often we're aware of our circumstances around us. We're aware that our marriage is falling apart. We're aware that we have these internal struggles of of anger or fear. We're aware that we um, uh, things just something isn't quite right. And so we're, we often have awareness of it, but we, we have to get to this place of awakening. And it's when we hit that awakening moment, that's when we take action. And so for us, when people come to counseling or when they come to our support groups, we're hoping they've had that awakening moment. Um, we're hoping they didn't get drugged to counseling for some reason, right? Which happens all the time. Mm. Uh, well, there's nothing wrong with that because then in counseling we'll work with them uh, so that they can have that awakening moment of like, okay, I can be better. And even if even if I'm 5% of the reason why my marriage is falling apart, I need to own 100% of that 5%. Yeah. Um, and... And so, for us, as we look at counseling as a a discipleship model, uh, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people understand that are you aware of of your issues, and you know not just aware of them, but have you had a moment of like you want to change? You've Mm. come to like the prodigal son; you had an awakening moment. You want to make some changes in your life, changes in your marriage. Uh, changes uh, in your singleness, whatever it might be, you want to make changes, then that becomes a great ground for us to be able to do some work. Hmm. Um, and so, for us in our counseling ministry, we have a process we walk them through. And in the in the process that you know could take you know uh, six to eight weeks, or it could take six to eight months, or even a year, just depends on just the the severity of the situation or what someone's dealing with, or um, you know what it may be. For this particular person or couple's life, uh, they they begin to learn new skills. They begin to realize they're capable. For example, you are capable of making change. Mm. You know this whole thing—you can't teach an old dog not new tricks. Well, that's only if the old dog doesn't want to learn new tricks. Yeah, right. right? Uh, you can teach an old dog new tricks. It doesn't matter where you're at. You just need to know that you are capable of making the change. Yeah. Um, you know, and and if you feel like you're not capable, you need to know that you're not alone and that. Christ is going to help you make the change. Yeah. When you surrender, back to that word, when you surrender to him, he will help you make the changes that you need to make when you're fully seeking after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, In this whole process of, of these awakening moments, there is God's part in all this, and then there's our part. And our part is that surrender part. Our part is making the choice that we want to change. Um, and so when we have people who come into counseling and that's where they're at, that's when we see the greatest results of of Mm. folks are saying, you know what? I am capable and I know that I need to love God and I need to love others and that God loves me and that I can forgive myself and that I can forgive others um, and that I can be honest with myself. I need to be honest with God and with others and with myself and with my spouse and whoever it may be um, and really take ownership over the fact that all of us are broken. All of us bring things into relationships um, I think the the greatest picture of of a couple at the altar, just as uh, what it really truly looks like is that you know they always have you always have your bags packed ready for the honeymoon. You know, what if at the altar were two people standing, and on on either side of them were all the bags of the luggage they were unpacking? Because when they get on their honeymoon, they're not just going to unpack their clothes; they're going to start unpacking even more (laughs) of their baggage, right? That they have. You know, so on one side might be he might have a bag called anger and resentment and bitterness and codependency. On her side, she might have you know, vacillator or controller or whatever it may be that we've Mm. brought into our. Our environments and brought into our marriage based on environments and mistakes we've made and whatever it may be, uh, and so at the, you know the honeymoon you're starting to unpack those things right away if you haven't done. You know, some of the work ahead of time. Sometimes it hits you like an avalanche if you're not ready for it. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. So I think that's a more accurate picture of marriage. You got yeah, all these bags yeah. that you're unpacking yeah. that are well, emotional I, bags. Yeah. And
1: I think it makes a point, And I know we, we're, you have one more awakening you're going to talk about. We're going to jump into talking about ministry. But I, I really want to emphasize this point because it's been so important in my discipleship growth. And I, I just want to say to you guys again if there is something that is getting in the way of your emotional health or you, uh, there's a hurt, a habit to hang up, do a CR 12 step or sign up for a support group at your campus or get into counseling. These things will help push you through the barriers that are getting in the way of your discipleship. That one of the most doable discipleship steps you can take is to get some counseling or to get into a support group and get connected in that way. So just really want to encourage you guys in that regard. Yeah,
2: Yeah. absolutely. You know, what I've said for a lot of years is Jesus set me free instantly, but I've been bound my whole life and the things that have bound me God wants to re- that's where we go back to this redeeming part and the setting free part he wants to set us free from all these things you know his ult- the ultimate goal of discipleship is that we look like Jesus that's that's God doesn't have a plan B that's always been his plan A is for us to be like his son Jesus and so when you come through looking at all the things that you go through in life Um, and and all the struggles that you have in life. God wants to turn beauty into ashes. He wants to take those pains, those hurts you've had, those heartbreaks, uh, the misery. He wants to take all those things and turn them into something beautiful. Mm. And one of the most confusing verses in the Bible is in James. It says, "'Count it all joy, brothers and sisters.'" When you are tested, when you go through trials, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I used to be like, "Can I cut that out of my Bible? Can I? Can I get? I, that, oh, I already did. Yeah, you know, like can, like, can I just black that thing out? Like, yeah. how do you? What I don't understand. Yeah. Redacted, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, what? How do you count it all joy yeah. when you're going through a divorce? When your mm. baby is born with Down syndrome, or or some sort of disease, or you've got chronic illness, or you've mm. gone through chronic pain because of a car accident, or you've got cancer? Like, how do you? What am I missing here? What's going on? And it it took me a very long time to understand this as I started having these awakening moments that what God is wanting to do in all of us when it comes to this big picture of making us like his son is that we do not see ourselves the way God sees us. Mm. We think about Gideon. Gideon saw himself uh, as somebody that needed to hide out. Mm. He was fearful. He saw himself as someone that was less than, that wasn't worthy. If you go back and read the story of Gideon's life, and he talks about, you know, we are the, the least of the least in our clan, and we are, you know, he has all these things of who he is and how he identifies himself. Right. But God doesn't identify him as that. God identifies, he says, you know, warrior. Yeah. St- rise up. Yeah. And God looks at all of us and says, you are a warrior. Rise up. You don't see yourself the way I see you but I don't see you as how you see you. I see you as a warrior. I see you as my child. Rise up and get going. And so mm-hmm. when I realized that, it, it, I had this, uh, this <laughs> epiphany of why is it that in James says, count it all joy? Why should we get happy? It's because when we go through trials, we go through testings, we go through hard times, we're in the desert of our lives. Uh, and sometimes we spend a long time in these deserts. I mean, a very long time in these deserts. It's because God is trying to upgrade us. We count it all joy because God's giving us an upgrade. Yeah. He sees us. He's wanting to make us into that warrior, make us into that person that we were always, always, always meant to be. And so, you know, when we you think of our apps on our on our phones and iPads, and uh, you know, we're constantly getting these things for updates, right? Mm -hmm. Why are we getting these updates? Because it's going to fix the bugs. It's going to fix the glitches. It's going to make it better. Uh, You know, it's a a holiday thing. It's going to enhance this, one of our favorite apps. And so we're constantly having to update all these apps. God is trying to upgrade and update the app of our lives and our souls of who we are Mm. to make us more and more and more and more and more like his son, Jesus, Mm. until we finally get to heaven suffering is a source of sanctification suffering yeah. is a source of sanctification absolutely suffering is suffering is a blessing yeah. because in the blessing of suffering we are getting upgraded to be more and more like Christ so that's why yeah. we can count pure joy so when you so here's the thing Next time you're going through a hard time or you're going through a storm, uh, because as Pastor Rick always talks about, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. The next time you go into a a storm, say, hot dog, hallelujah. God, I love you. I'm so excited about this because you're going to give me an upgrade. You're going to change me. You're wanting to make me more like your son. You're wanting to turn me into the person you've always intended to for me to be, yeah. because he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. He yeah. sees us how we were always intended to be. Hmm. Um, and so that's all part of that awakening and healing and, and, and really looking at, you know, I think I, I, I agree with you when, I think one of the sad things you can see is this person who, um, you know, they say they've been a believer for, for 30 years and they're like, yep, I go to church. I, you know, I tithe, I, you know, I've checked all the boxes I've done all the discipleship classes and they're just mean. Yeah, they're angry. I mean, on paper, if you look at who they are on paper, right? They're they are incredible, right? They're the yeah. model member, if you want to call it. But the reality is, is like they're they're mean to their spouse. They don't care about their neighbors. They're not very loving and compassionate. Yeah. Uh, they they run, you know, they ramrod people. They have an addiction, whatever it may be. And you're going, wait a minute, what what is this? Because there's mm-hmm. that disconnect and discrepancy that, that takes place in their lives, which I believe is one of the reasons why. Uh, when you know people hear that they go to church and they're non-believers, they're like, well, see, they're just like the world. Because it's like, well, they're they're cantankerous. Whatever the words you want to use yeah. for them, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about, right? Yep. These people are going like, well, how is it you've known Jesus for 30 years and you still act like you did when you didn't know Jesus? Yeah. How is that yeah. possible? Yeah, or sometimes worse, like or the worse. Pharisees, because yeah. their religion
0: gives them permission to do the kinds of things that even a lost right. person might not do.
2: Jesus, having Jesus in your life, and if you're really seeking after the Spirit, which is this fourth awakening... Should make you softer, not harder. Mm. It should make you happier. Uh, it shouldn't make you sadder. Mm. Uh, when you go through those hard times, it sh- you should you, we shouldn't look like the rest of the world when we go through those hard times. Yeah. Uh, which is really that fourth awakening that I've had. And for me, I you know I had these other three awakenings before the fourth one. Like I said, this is not a step by step process. This is more of a uh, of a journey. And I wish I I wish I would have had this awakening. As soon as I met Jesus, mm. I wish I would have known this. I just didn't know it. And that is the, uh, the awakening of the Spirit of God within you uh, and realizing that Christ is within you. Uh, for much of my adult Christian life, part of my discipleship journey, uh, even as a pastor, I felt like I was missing part of my Bible. I would just I would I would go through and I would read my Bible over and over and over again. I feel like man, you know, I feel like I'm just missing something, and I don't know what it is I'm missing because I've got Jesus in me. That's been settled. I, I, and, and man, I've got all these this spiritual knowledge, and I've got these spiritual things, and God's been doing a change inside of me. It's an inside job from working on me. I definitely bulldozing. I, I'm, I'm dealing with some of my past hurts and issues of of, of abuse that I had. Um, uh, you know, part of my story of the codependency is my grandmother physically abused me, mm-hmm. um, and so you know I'm, I'm working on all those issues that I've had in the past. And I'm doing the best I can, but I feel like something is still missing. And what I, you know, the Holy Spirit very, very gently uh, over the course of a few uh, a few months, when I really kind of reached the end of myself, I, I reached uh, you know wits end, so to speak. I, I reached this place of of I am just you God, I just, I just need you to show up because I don't mm. understand this, what's going on. Um, that's when I realized and I had this awakening of, of the Spirit inside of me going, it's the Holy Spirit. Mm. What you're missing is a, re- is a deeper relationship with the Spirit. You have everything you need in Christ, but you can have more of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so when I started down this road of really trying to understand who the Holy Spirit is in my life, wanting more of the Holy Spirit. And that was my prayer. God, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I want to understand more of who you are. And then started looking through Scripture and going from starting from Genesis and realizing that the first character we're actually introduced to in the Bible is not Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I didn't realize that. See, what happens is that Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's not an introduction. That's actually like setting up, it's setting up the play. Yeah. It's, it's it's basically hey we're getting ready to start the story here's what you know you need to know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then the very next thing you read is and the spirit of God was hovering the first introduction we have of of God in the Bible is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and then when you get into Acts uh, you know just take your highlighter and start from Acts chapter one and start highlighting every time it says Spirit or Holy Spirit it's yeah. everywhere yeah right yeah. I mean it's 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 everywhere. Uh, words and and so for me, I realized. Wait a minute. The key to to key to um, uh, triumph and living. The key to to really discipleship and growth is the Holy Spirit in someone's life and getting to know the Holy Spirit and and going deep with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then I got and got a little angry, have to be honest with you, because I realized. Wait a minute. My my evangelical brothers and sisters. Why? They didn't teach me this. Like I didn't know this. <laughs> he got Holy Spirit gangster. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, wait, I did not know. How did I miss this? And so, <laughs> I, uh, I, and, and so I, I, realized, wait a minute, I, I missed such a huge component of of the Christian life, mm. of the abundant life. And I talked about I was in the a little bit earlier on, like I was missing the abundant life, and it's the abundant life is found through the Spirit of God inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Um, I used to think God didn't talk much. I, I, you know, was told that God speaks through His Word. He speaks through, uh, the, you know, the guy up on stage, right, the pastor, right, preacher. Uh, he speaks through. Um, uh, through, you know, worship songs. He, he speaks in certain ways, but I used to, but, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of me, I would kind of have nudges and impressions, but I didn't really realize that, no, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me all the time. God's a chatterbox. Mm. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is a is the guide for us. He's showing us Scripture. And now, when I go to Scripture, I'm like, I start off with, Holy Spirit, show me what you want. And He does. He shows me His truths in His Word. Mm. Uh, and so for me, in my discipleship journey, um, those were my my four awakenings that I, I've had, and you know I'm not a scholar. There's probably far more awakenings than that, but for me, these were the primary four of, of obviously the first one, meeting Jesus, then this awakening of spiritual things, and then the awakening of of healing and redemption that God wants to bring in every area of your life, and then the awakening of knowing the Spirit of God is inside of me, and that He truly is the key to the abundant living, to triumphant living. Man, hmm. yeah, that's good. That was awesome.
0: Yeah is is there a is there one or two influences, like people in your life who have been really instrumental in your personal growth?
2: Uh, yes, there's been there's been actually a number of folks. Um, uh, just like uh, discipleship is a journey, I, I believe that God brings people into your life, if you're looking, if you're available, if you're open to it, to take you to that next step, take you to that next level. And so for me, I've had many people throughout my life that have mentored me and have, um, uh, you know, helped me in the next stage of the process, and so, uh, you know, so there's there's people that you may not have ever heard of before, but um, you know, for me, it was my youth pastor. Uh, he was a significant person in, in my life. Uh, his name is Coleman Pratt. You know, he helped mm-hmm. me in that first stage. And then uh, I went on to work for an evangelist named Jay Strack, and he was another key influential person in my life. Um, and then uh, there was uh, another man that I worked for at First Baptist Arlena named Roger Glidewell, uh, another key influence that would, that helped me in the next stage of life and showed me uh, what it really was about being a follower of Christ. and. Um, and the same w- with Jay Strack. Uh, and then, you know, I met Pastor Rick uh, back there that day around that time, you know, many moons ago. And Rick, Rick has just been uh, probably perhaps the number one influence in my life and mm. mentorship and um, uh, and just helping me uh, grow and have faith. Uh, you know, our pastor, he is a man of faith. Yes, yes. Oh, he demonstrates that. He, big time. he is a man of faith, and my faith has grown because of his faith. Yeah. Uh, as something we can do for each other. Mm. Uh, you know, I, he, is, he is a man of, of tremendous faith, and because of his tremendous faith, he's helped me have faith. You know, he's helped me realize that, like, we can take that mountain. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't matter. You know, God can do anything. Doesn't matter how crazy yeah. it sounds. God you, can do it. God can do it. That's <laughs> yeah. right. It's, you know, in fact, when the odds are stacked against you, that's the best place to yeah. be, right? I mean, he's taught us that. And, um, you know, and because of that, he's he perhaps had the the greatest impact on my life, mm. is, is Pastor Rick. Uh, um, and it, then, was, of course, it was that
0: aspect of his leadership that actually drew me to Saddleback initially. It was mm-hmm. that. And just it, I, I heard Rick speak at Radicalis years and years ago. Radicalis, and, I remember. Remember <laughs> that? Radicalis. Remember that? Yeah,
2: we had the Purpose Driven Life, our Purpose Driven Conferences, then we switched yeah. to Radicalis for a few years. Those were fun. That was and fun. I caught
0: at that conference, that I was still going to my previous church, I was still on, on staff there, I caught a glimpse of Rick's just incredibly huge faith, and he yeah. shared some stories from Saddleback's past, and I just went... I've I've got to experience some of this. I have to experience yeah. some of this faith. I, I have to experience what life is like when you live believing God that much, and it's yeah. been quite a ride. Ever it since is, seeing it's been quite a ride. seeing Rick yeah. continue steadfastly in that level of faith,
2: uh, he has so much vision uh, mm-hmm. and obviously so much passion for the church and the kingdom. As mm-hmm. you know, not you know, not just here locally, but the kingdom around the world. Yeah, and so you know to have you know that kind of vision, which expands all of our visions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has more vision at lunchtime than most of us will have, you know. Seriously. a year or two, right? Or maybe I, a I, lifetime. I, sometimes
1: yeah. I wish our members could be in like some of those meetings with Rick or our staff meetings with Rick yeah. and where he is just laying out these ideas and you're just like, where does this come from? Yeah, you know, it's just amazing what the Holy Spirit and Rick—they're man, what a combo! <laughs> <Yes>. What a <laughs> no yes, <kidding>. yes. <laughs> no absolutely. Kidding. Well, see,
2: that's the thing. I, you know, the Holy Spirit's power is available to all of us. So I'm like, hey, God, you know, i yeah. I want I want more of you, so I can see more of your vision for for the world. Yeah. Um, and so it's something that uh that Pastor Rick has just. Uh, really, you know, probably the perhaps you know one of the greatest influences yeah. on on my life. And my all right, heart, so, so
1: I'm the pastor of maturity. I could yeah. talk about maturity all that long, but we want to also talk about the connection to ministry. Yes, and on on two, on, on tool one team, we always like to talk to our members about that maturity should be leading you, should be mobilizing you into ministry. That part yeah. of your discipleship is. What you're, how you're going to grow by serving. So yeah. let's dive into that. Talk about Great. a little bit how that plays out.
2: How do we grow through serving? Uh, we, how do we grow through serving? Um, part of what we, I think a starting place we need to realize is that we have a both being and doing faith. Hmm. We have a being and doing faith. And those two things um, feel like oftentimes they live in a little bit of a tension between hmm. each other. Um, but tension isn't a bad thing. Uh, if you think about the, the strings on a guitar, they're in tension, uh, and when they're tuned to the to the right tension, they make a beautiful, beautiful sound. Now, when they're not tuned to the right tension, they just they sound <laughs> right. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> they sound like when Doug plays. Right, right. Or when I play. And thank yeah. You. Yeah. yeah, I don't I, I wish I could play. I'll guitar. be performing in the next episode. <laughs> um so what but when they're in tune, they sound absolutely beautiful. But the only reason they're in tune they sound beautiful is because there's tension that's there. And so part of serving is that we have this being and doing faith that lives in some tension because what you take the story of mary and martha and where we've got you know uh martha is the doer mary is the beer right mm-hmm. yep. and so you're and you leak the story and um and you jesus has this what feel this very what i would call tension moment where martha comes out and says hey you know what jesus um, obviously paraphrasing here. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm upset about what Mary's doing. She's not helping me. And then Jesus, you know, I feel like has a drop the mic moment, right? Where he says, Well, what you're doing is great, but what she's doing is better. Yeah, yeah. she's chosen the better she's thing. She's chosen the better thing. Yeah. It, and that to me is like truly drop the mic, walk away, Jesus. Because all of us are going <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute now. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we got this verse, faith without works is dead, right? Yeah. You will you, you know, we've got so many verses yeah that are doing verses. And yet we have so many verses that are being verses. So that's the tension that we live in. Uh, and so when it comes to getting involved in ministry, I, I just want to say to all of our, our wonderful Saddleback folks that I just so deeply love that um, as I've talked to so many of you that are in these different stages of life, and so you're, you're, you've got little kids at home, mm-hmm. um, you're only going to be able to do so much with little kids at home. Versus somebody who's retired, and they've got 40, 50 hours a week they can devote to ministry. Right, And so I wanted to, before we get into like getting into ministry and everything else, I just want to say, listen, if you feel like you're living in tension between this being and doing, you need to know, one, you're in good company, Mm. and two, that's a very normal feeling to be in this tension, and and to realize that you really focus in on the stage of life where you're at, and what God is calling you to do right then and there, Mm. Uh, because ministry itself there's a lot of elements to it a lot of components to it ministry just isn't at church it's you have a ministry to your family mm. you know mom you have a ministry to take care of your family and yeah. to if you're a single parent you know you've got a huge ministry there you have a ministry to your spouse Those are all ministries. You have ministries to your neighbors right across the street, right next door to you. Uh, You know when the Bible says, you know, the commandment, you know, love your neighbor, right? Well, you got to get to know your neighbor. You know how many of us don't really know our neighbors? Um, I I live in a a wonderful cul de sac, and I literally I I I counted it up because I knew we were going to talk about this morning. Um, I know twenty seven neighbors. Wow, We, we got in our cul de sac. It's absolutely an unbelievable cul de sac. Uh, that, that we live in. All of my neighbors around us, they're incredible people. Uh, my my son's uh, birthday party uh, was just a couple of days ago. We had it down at the beach. We had a t- ton of fun. Uh, we invited, uh, you know, 15 of our neighbors came. Hmm. You know they, wow. We know, know our neighbors. That's ministry. You know, you walk out to your mailbox and your neighbor's there and they need to talk. They may know Jesus. They may not know Jesus. It doesn't matter. They need to talk. And you're staying, and you take... You, out of your time, and you stand there, and you talk to them, and you love on them, mm. and you show them the love of Christ, that's ministry. And so there's a lot of ministry that can be done outside of church, and a lot of ministry that gets done inside the church. But it's dependent on stages, the stage of which you're in, mm. the, the time at which you have, and it, it's dependent uh, of realizing that you live in tension. Like you might be somebody that suffers from chronic illness, and that the idea you can only give 10, 15, 20 minutes a week, or maybe an hour of the week at the most. Um, and because you're in physical pain somewhere around there. And so uh, you just need to know that God understands that. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up for the stage that you're in. If you're in you've got young, young kids at home or you're a young family, um, because God sees that. What he wants us to understand when it comes to ministry is that it's all around us, it's everywhere. Uh, In fact, at Settleback, we talk about really three different kinds of ministries. We talk about an ongoing ministry that you can have. An ongoing ministry is uh, something where you discover what we would call your shape. So we are looking at, uh, for those of you who don't know what shape means, uh, we, we help our folks um, in our three class three hundred one, which is discovering your shape for ministry, inside this class, we help people understand what their spiritual gifts are, uh, where their hearts, their passions are at. That's what the H stands for. Um, what kind of abilities that God has given them? Natural abilities and talents, that things that they that they really excel in. Uh, some that they know about, some they don't know about. Um, We talk about personality and how God has made you and what is your personality and that God uses all different kinds of personalities. And then we talk about experiences, how God uses your experiences, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the rough experiences, and that God wants to redeem our experiences. Uh, Romans 8.28 is, I think, one of the most precious verses in the New Testament when it comes to pain in our life, that God is in the business of taking all the hard stuff that we go through and turning it into something good. Not that what we go through is good, because it's not good what we go through. Uh, we realize that everything is fathered, filtered that comes through our comes through our lives. But in this father-filtering, he's saying, I'm taking all this bad stuff that wasn't good, and I'm going to turn it into something good. Mm. Um, and so we talk about this in, in a Class 301. So if you haven't taken Class 301, love to see you there. Yeah. Uh, you need to take that. Uh, if, in fact, if you haven't taken 101 or 201, start there first. Um, you know, just jump right into class one one and then two-one with these guys. Yeah. You'll love it. And then I'll see you in class 3 one and we'll talk about and teach you what your shape is. But once you learn your shape, we talk about having an ongoing ministry and, uh, and here, uh, at our Lake Forest campus, but all of our campuses, um, uh, we have, uh, close to 400 different ministries that someone could get involved in, um, depending on just how we, they feel like they're shaped. And so, um, that's an ongoing ministry. So we say you need ongoing ministry. And then we have what's called secondary ministries. Um, A secondary ministry is where uh, we call basically an all hands on deck moment, which is, hey, just be available to to serve. Christmas is coming. We're going to have a lot of people show up at Christmas time. Would you be willing, because we need extra ushers and greeters. We need people to uh, to you know, help bring out water bottles. We need folks to help stuff bulletins. Would you be willing to to serve and to help out during Christmas and Easter when we have all these guests coming? You know, we need to you know cut the grass better, whatever it may be, plant right. some flowers. Mm-hmm. We always plant a lot of flowers at Christmas yeah. and Easter. Um, and so these are like the secondary ministries or secondary projects like mission trips or things that you can do. Uh, one-offs, they're not ongoing, but they're one-offs. Uh, but then the third one is the one that I think I probably love the most, and that's the spontaneous ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I love it this one the most is because when we think about the the stories we love to tell our kids, or the stories that we love to read in the New Testament about uh, the woman that was walking through the crowd and touched Jesus the hem of his garment and got saved, or Jesus walking through the town and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, "Hey, come down. We're gonna we're gonna have a party tonight, and you're gonna pay for it." You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and Zacchaeus is like, "You bet. I'm all in." Right? He's there. Uh, it, when you. Um, uh, you you hear about Jesus speaking at the home, and then all of a sudden the roof starts you know falling apart, <laughs> and four friends drop their friend down before Jesus. All these stories that we love have one thing in common: they're all spontaneous. Mm-hmm. They're all God. They're all they're all things where God Jesus is going about his everyday normal acts of, of of life. He's doing ministry, or he's going down the road. He's walking about, and he has these encounter moments healing moments that take place, um, uh, people being demon-possessed, that he he delivers them from that. All these different moments, we love to read all these stories, they're all spontaneous, where they're going about their everyday life uh, that Jesus is, and he encounters these folks, and he always has time for them. Yeah, Jesus was so interruptible. Yeah. He was interruptible. And that's what I love about the spontaneous moments, which is, if we could get to this place where we could say every day, God, no, ma- no matter what happens, when I wake up this morning... No matter what happens, I've got my to do list, but you have every right. And this is tough for type A's. Okay. So just want you to know this <laughs> this is a spiritual stretch for type A's. Okay. Uh, not for type B's because they're all into this. They're, they're all into like, yeah, sure. You know, party, spontaneous. Whatever no keeps me away from my to do list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's a to do list? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, just c- I'm type B. So don't worry. I'm, I'm picking on myself here too. Um, but you, you have your, your list. You say, God, I've got this list. This is what I'm trying to get accomplished today. Would you help me bless this? You know, if it fits into your will. But but God, I'll tell you what, I will jettison this list if you bring people to me, mm-hmm. if there's spontaneous situations happening. And God does it. Yeah. He does that. He's done it in my life as I, I do this daily. And he, he will, if you truly surrender, he will interrupt your plans yeah. uh, for these things. And so I tell people all the time, if you want to see miracles, let God interrupt your plans mm-hmm. because all these miracles we love. They're all spontaneous moments, yeah, that take place. So,
0: don't you think that's one of the? To me, that springs to mind is one of the ways that ministry helps us to grow and makes growth evident in us. That, in order to respond to those sort of God ordained, like from our perspective, those are spontaneous. But I think very often, so so they may be spontaneous with regard to our plan, but they're completely. Those are oftentimes orchestrated by God. He, oh, absolutely, those are, yeah. Those are incidental to us, but they are yeah. all according to God's plan. And I think that uh, what you've said touches on an aspect of growth and ministry that our willingness to respond to those God-ordained, and yet from our perspective, spontaneous moments says a lot about who's king in our lives.
2: Yes, yeah, goes back yeah. to surrender moments. Right.
0: Yeah. So am I, am I going to be the director of my life, or am yeah. I going to let God interrupt my my plans in order to accomplish his plans. Uh, and that kind of, I think, brings us to the next big question, which is, uh, we, we know we're shaped for ministry, mm-hmm. but we're also shaped by our ministry. Yes. Our, our, our ministry and the way we love others and the way we love God by loving others has a big shaping influence on us. Can you talk about some of the ways that you see that happening? Uh, just with, with people within our church that serve, or maybe on your own personal how,
2: journey. So, so how our ministry shapes.
0: How us? does ministry grow us over time? Because yeah. we know that a mature believer should serve. Right. To say that to to call someone a mature believer who does not serve God by serving other people—that's an oxymoron. Right. To be mature spiritually and not serve others doesn't make sense. So we know that mature believers ought to serve. But there is also a flip side that I, that I think we experience where, as we step into. To ministry, and we let ourselves be used by God in those ways. We grow through that. That God actually right. uses yeah. that ministry to change us. Can you can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love what Kay Warren says. She says that when you when you become a believer, you put on an apron. Mm, <laughs> just that's good. Just yeah. part of what happens. You just put on an apron, and uh, and Jesus, you know, said, "I didn't come to serve, but to um, I didn't come to be served, but to serve." Right. Uh, and so we've. You know Jesus sets the example for us in this area of service uh, that we are to love and to serve uh, one another. Um, And so, you know, service is this is this component where it's part of that inside job that God's working on us. Is it it changes us? Um, It for us it helps us break a lot of things that are barriers and strongholds in our life. Uh, And so, when you know wherever you need a, a breakthrough in, you just need to. To give more of whatever that is. So if you mm. if you need a, uh, to be more generous in your life, you know you need a breakthrough there. You need to be more generous, mm. um, and being in generosity breaks materialism uh, in our yeah. lives. Um, if we uh, you know really want to find more freedom in our hearts, more happiness in our hearts, more joy in our lives. You know, it talks about it's better to give than it is to receive. And mm. so by giving of ourselves, by pouring of ourselves out, there's this automatic refilling that takes place. Um, we can never pour ourselves out, you know, to compl- to uh, depletion because God will keep filling us back, filling us back. Mm. Uh, now, we can overextend ourselves. That's something different. Uh, we cannot have boundaries. We cannot, um, you know, keep balance in our life, and we can burn ourselves out. Um, that's something totally different. Um, but, when it comes to actually pouring ourselves out and loving someone yes it 'll make us tired, but god 'll fill us back up mm. God mm. you know we can ask it will make us tired um, to to serve and do ministry, depending on what kind of ministry it is mm. um, and but ministry, when it comes to you know where you 're shaped at, it should be life giving it should be something that gets you excited uh, we People talk about how do I know if I like this ministry or not. Well, do you do you you know regret going into it? Do you do you not want to do it? <laughs> yeah. You know, do you find yourself saying, "Oh, I'm you know starts you know ten minutes ago and I still haven't gotten there." <laughs> yeah. Right? Those are all signs like this may not be the ministry for you. Yeah. You know, you know you love kids, but maybe you don't love other people's. You love your kids, but yeah. you don't maybe love other people's kids. And yeah. You thought, "Well, I'll work in the children's ministry," and you got in there and you're like, oh, "This isn't for me." <laughs> you know, I I uh, or I can barely handle my own junior hire or whatever yeah. whatever it may be. Um, and so we encourage people to try different ministries because ministry should be life-giving to you. It should fill mm. you up. You should walk away from it going, man, that was so great. It was so amazing. Mm. Um, we don't actually give a spiritual gifts test here when we, when we talk about spiritual gifts in shape. Uh, we believe the best way to—we uh, do kind of a, a spiritual gifts assessment where we have a number of spiritual gifts listed not all of them but a number of them people kind of walk through those and it's in that growth of they the holy spirit showing to them or what other people have said hey i see this gift in you or they've tried tried out ministries and they and they've been able to do this gift and it, it, it people have uh, confirmed or encouraged, like, hey, I can see you've got the gift of teaching. I can see hmm. you've got the gift of hospitality. Um, and it's all life-giving things for them. And so God doesn't want us to be in a, in a in a place where it's not life-giving. Now, there's things that we do that we just need to do. That's part of those secondary gifts uh, that we're all part of the church. you know. The, um, but I still believe God even empowers us in those moments to right. do things that maybe are even yeah. outside of our shape. Uh, so what happens is that when we give of ourselves, we become more generous. Uh, when we serve, uh, it it uh, it gives us a new perspective on things. It, you know, we see the world differently. Uh, we love God by loving others, uh, and so we have this this moment where we're serving and helping others, whether it be in like our food pantry uh, or whether it is um, uh, you know in parking lot ministry or stuffing bulletins, All those different things. There's so many different ministries you could be a part of um, that we are, we're in essence, we're, I would say, storing it up for later, storing the treasures up for later, mm-hmm. and serving the Lord, and by doing that, we just get so much out of it when we feel like we're in, we're in our shape, so.
0: Yeah, gosh, that's true. Let's talk about some doable steps that listeners or viewers can take to get started. I mean, there, there are people listening now who are everywhere on the spectrum who are deeply mm-hmm. involved in ministry, either here at Saddleback or at their local church if they're not a part of Saddleback, and then there are some who wouldn't even have a clue where to get started. Can you give just some real, just simple practical steps for them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There is, for us here at Saddleback, there's really, I would say, two pathways for everybody. the first pathway is if you're wanting to get started, you don't know how to get started, take Class 301. That's your that's your first pathway. In Class 301, um, you'll get introduced, obviously, to your shape, which we've been talking about quite a bit, but you'll also get introduced to just a lot of different ministry opportunities. Uh, you'll get to see how God can take your abilities and use your, your natural abilities that you have. They're quite possibly be ministries associated. I'll just give you for example, if you love to surf, we've got a surfing ministry. Yeah. yeah, they come I know, right? <laughs> they come on, you can yeah. you can uh you can go down and um it's free, you know, basically free surfing lessons. They have a Bible study, they talk about scripture, they sing songs. Uh it, it's open to the community, they share Jesus with people, and then you go get to surf. And to, surf and they shred <laughs> the surf. They shred the surf. I know, right? It's great. Now, I know that doesn't work in everybody's context. Yeah. Uh but maybe you could have a fishing ministry where you're at uh, that would do something very, very, very similar uh, to that. So uh, we do actually talk about the difference between a ministry and a fellowship, which Mm -hmm. is if you're not sharing Jesus with people, if you're just coming and hanging out and you're not really doing anything, any discipleship at all, and you're not sharing Jesus, you're not you know, studying God's word, there's no Bible study with it, you're not bringing in non-believers, that kind of thing, that's a fellowship. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing all those things, then that's a ministry. So we have a bike ministry because they're stopping half, they're inviting all their their neighbors, all their friends who love to ride Mm -hmm. bikes, part of a bike club, and they, they'll go ride 15, 20 miles and they'll stop, have a Bible study, do an evangelistic message. Mm. They'll have some you know some water together, some vitamin water. Can, you, you can find water
1: is training wheels allowed? I'm asking, <laughs> I'm for, for, I'm yeah. asking, I'm asking that question for, <laughs> for, for uh, Oh, yeah. training oh wheels? I didn't know that was coming my way. Thank
2: yeah. you. <laughs> Good uh, they don't, you know, the problem is they don't have pedals on these things. Have you noticed that, right? They got special shoes that lock into them. I'm like, yeah. Ah, Those are fun if amazing. you go down. Like, yeah can't I, get your feet out. Oh. Yeah, your bike just yeah. stays with you. It's not supposed <laughs> to stay with you when you go down. You're supposed to get off your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh so you have all these different ministries that you could do and be a part of that uh, are so much fun. Um and uh so yeah, so the so your starting point is really, you know, you can you can look at this idea of like things that you love, um come to class 301, learn about all the different abilities, different things that God has already designed you for, and look at the ministries that are available to you. Um and then just start trying them. Start getting out and, and talking uh, to the ministry leaders. And so you, you may work great with kids, love kids, great, can go, go do that after you take class 301. So that's one pathway. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, conservatively speaking, I, I think about 10% of our members, maybe 15% of our folks that get involved in ministry, take that pathway. They're in that place of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Mm-hmm. They come the 301. Now, the other 80% or 85% take a a totally different direction, um, which is something we haven't talked too much about here at Settleback, but since I've been the 301 pastor, uh, I really, you know, we've had to identify this because this is truly the kind of the primary way most people get involved in ministry, uh, which is they have this moment of, uh, it's an internal stirring that takes place. Mm-hmm. They're they're watching this or they're listening to it. They're listening to uh, somebody speak. Uh, they see a video. They're actually at home reading a magazine, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Time magazine or something causes, catches their heart. Mm-hmm. The The Holy Spirit has some sort of internal stirring of like, I want to get involved, or man, that's breaking my heart. Yeah. Whether it could be like justice and trafficking, or HIV/AIDS, um, or if if you know, it could be that their their kids are now out of the house and they're and they're looking at it, going like, well, what am I what am I going to do with my time? Mm. Whatever it may be, there's this internal stirring that takes place where they start thinking like, I want to get involved. I want to get start doing something. Maybe they've been involved in the past at another church. Uh, maybe they've been involved in the past at our church, but they've stepped out of ministry for a while. Maybe they've never been involved. They just come to know Jesus and they just they just want to get involved. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend in his uh, his family. They received Jesus back at Easter. This was that this was that uh, spontaneous moment for me. I was home. We we're preparing for a party for my uh, kind of a block party, and I was uh, we had we told our kids you can invite you know whoever you want to. We're gonna have a movie night on the uh, outside, and you know, we're gonna have pizza. And It's just gonna be kind of our little mini block party. So my my kids invite a whole bunch of friends, more friends than we realized they invited actually. Um, <laughs> flyers at school, but, yeah. I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah, they're doing ministry. Yeah, ministry. Big, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. Big party there. Okay, so I'm trying to set up the drink table, and as I'm trying to set up our drink table right right in front of my house. Uh, this couple walks up, dropping off one of their kids and um, and I just' you know, politely introduce myself, and, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm just setting up my drinks because I 'm focused on my drinks, okay I need to I need to make sure that we're ready because pizza's coming, and they're asking me questions i'm not looking in the eye I'm not paying attention, <laughs> but they're asking me questions, right and so and'm I'm, I'm just kind of doing my 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 deal with just setting up the drinks and and um, and then I realize i'm like, these people aren't going away." <laughs> Still I gave staring. them all the social cues. I gave and them all. Not. I'm not even looking at them and they're not going <laughs> away. And, they, and so, and I, so I, I think, well, I'll just give them a couple minutes. So I kind of stop what I'm doing and I stare and I talk with them a little bit more. And uh, as I'm talking with them, um, then I realize I have this moment of like, they're, they're seeking. This mm. is I, finally the Holy Spirit said, Hey dummy, yeah. this is your moment, man. <laughs> Quit worrying Paying, about but, the soda. Don't worry about the <laughs> drinks. Hello, Tommy. Yeah, 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 I know exactly. <laughs> I pray this every day, and here's my moment, and I'm more worried about my drinks. And so I had this moment. So I was like, God, I'm so sorry. So I just started, I just said, okay, forget the drinks, forget the pizza. Mm. Pizza was late, didn't matter. And I just started talking with them. The next thing I know, in about 30 minutes, they're in my house and showing them all around. And then we invite them, uh, my wife and I, we invite them about 45 minutes later. They stayed and talked for 45 minutes. Wow. Invite them to you know Easter services. And they're like, well, we'll come. I'm like, all right. Whoa. Holy cow, I almost missed that because I was yeah. so focused on my drinks. And they came, and it was one of the sweetest conversions I've, I've seen in a very long time. Wow. They, just, they just wept through the whole the whole mm. service, um, and at the end, they they both receive Jesus, uh, and it's just a beautiful moment. Now, here's a great thing. So it's, that was back at Easter. They're still coming. And, you know, he said to me, he's like this moment of like, how do I, I just need to get involved. Mm-hmm. I, I've got this internal stirring. I need to get involved. Do I just jump right in? What do I do? Now for him, I said, hey, go, go take class 101, 201, and you will see in 301. Yeah. Um, but for, uh, for, for someone else who wasn't a new believer, and they say, hey, I got this internal stirring. You know, I, I want to get involved in children's ministry. You know, typically that would be their next step, which would be to investigate. They would investigate where, wherever they feel this leading to. So they would go talk to the children's pastor or the junior high pastor, or they would uh, go to... They love writing stories. we got these great stories on the back of our bulletins. They go to our communications ministry, wherever it may be. They begin to investigate this ministry. And one of the things we've asked all of our ministries to do is to really put together a pathway. You know, Put together a pathway for someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to get involved, that they have a very clear and easy pathway for them to get involved. Mm. Uh, You can have requirements around it. In fact, it can be required that they take one-on-one, two-one, or three-one, or four-one. But just just make a clear pathway for them uh, so that they can have involvement. So there's this internal stirring from one, whatever it may be, I mean could they could have been watching a movie who knows you know weekend sermon whatever it could be holy spirit does something mm. they start to then investigate that ministry and then they start to learn what it takes to be involved and they get involved in the ministry and um and they they really like that ministry and then they get to what we call this this last stage of which is investment which mm. is hey I'm in this is going to be an ongoing ministry for me this is what I'm going to do because I've checked it out I love it I'm really good at it and I I love doing it you know this mm. is how my my little girl Cassie um, she is uh, she's eleven years old. This is what happened to her. She loves to work with babies. She mm. had that intro stirring, and she came she, to uh, me and her mom and said, "Hey, I, I really want to work with the little kids." And I was like, "That's great, you know." Now she hasn't taken three hundred one yet. I was like, "That's great. Well, let's go talk to our children's ministries folks," which is what we did. Mm. And they said, "Well, yep you you are welcome to come in, and here's what it looks like, and here's the classes you need to take." And so we went and took the classes that a very clear, easy pathway. Uh, and then she got involved. And within the first you know you know first week, she came out just beaming so excited. I mm. loved it, Dad. It was so great. And then the next week she's like, "I still love it, and you know we're we're you know year and a half into it because she, now she's invested, and she can't think of anything else but working in children's ministry. Yeah, that's a very organic, real process that I would say eighty percent of our members, or every server, sort of our our folks come through yeah. of how they get from point A to point B when it comes <laughs> to the ministry. yeah. Yeah, I used great.
1: to serve at the Rancho campus. I used to tell people, just walk up to anyone with a badge or a shirt and say, "I want your job." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, like that.
2: Gosh. So two pathways. Two pathways for every. You know, if you're not sure where how to get involved in ministry, you know, go through the class system. Take take three hundred one. Uh, if you're just really just unsure, and if not, you know, the other way is if you have some sort of internal stirring, just go to that ministry leader. Say, how do I get involved? Yeah, uh, all of our ministries have requirements. Most of our ministries require that you're a member to, to uh, serve, so no matter what, you're going to be taking class 101 for most of our ministries, not all of them, um, and then a lot of our ministries do require like, hey, you need to complete the classes over the next yeah. 18 months or next couple of years, whatever mm. it may be, so Is they're going to make it around the bases one way or the other. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll get them there. Is there an email or something or a, like a web address you'd like to point people to if they want to learn more about ministries?
2: Yes, you can go online at settleback.com and you could just search out ministries and, and the ministry page, 301 page will pop up. And mm. uh, then there'll also be just a lot of different ministries that can that you'll, you'll see it online. So Yeah, man. So much good
0: stuff. We're, we're almost out of time, but I want to hear you got some books yes. here. Yes, come on, books. We love <laughs> giving book <laughs> recommendations. So yes. quickly give us the. Uh, oh, man. Your this was a
2: here. tough one. So you, you guys haven't seen my library, but I, I have a, uh, uh, Rick's got a big library, man. Rick has He's a, got a awesome day. library. I've yet to see it. Uh, it is it is quite magnificent <laughs> to say the least. I don't have a library like that, but I do have a few thousand books. Um, I do love to read, and wow. so this was a hard one because I was like, "Oh man, there's so many great books um, out there." And you know what? You know the books that have influenced my life. What do, what does that look like? Here's yeah. what I I kind of decided that um, when I think about my life, I think about the spheres of my life. And then I've got actually books in every sphere. So I think about the fact that I'm a dad. So I've got some good dad books I want to read. But I think I'm also, I'm a husband. And so um, uh, one of uh, some great books on what it means to be a dad. So I'm talking to all you dads out there. Uh, There's a great book called Point Man. That's a great book. Hmm. Um, Any of Kenny Luck's books. Those are great books about being... Uh, being a guy, being a dude, but also being a, being a dad, uh, love those books. And so uh, when I think about my my marriage and like what's well, a good book for me to read my uh, to read for my marriage and how to love my my spouse better, uh, there's a book by Mylan and Kay Yurkovich called How We Love. Hmm. Uh, that is a everybody that should just be standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're getting married, great. Read this book. <laughs> uh, you need to know how your spouse. I'm uh, an avoider, by the way. You're an avoider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, see, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready. Yeah, he's ready. Great, great book. Um, I think about that I'm a leader, right? And so for me, a profound book that had a great impact on me was Emotional Healthy Leader, yeah. uh, oh, right? Pete Scazzaro. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, yeah. yeah. right? Or Emotional Healthy Spirituality, right? Yeah. So those are the great books uh, that will help you down the road. Um, uh, for me, uh, there when I'm dealing with codependency, if you struggle with that, uh, codependency doesn't, I used to think that it was only you're codependent. If you had somebody in your family that was like a drug addict or something mm. that, you know, alcoholic and you, uh, you were their boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever it may be. And I, I realized there's a whole other side to that, mm. uh, that has nothing to do with that. But codependency can be caused from a lot of different, different reasons, but a uh, profound book that really changed my life was uh, codependency no more. That's another great book. So when I think about the spheres of my life, I've got a lot of different books that impact me. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, because I've been on that journey, uh, there's this book called "The Key to Triumphant Living" by Jack Taylor. Uh, this has been a classic book. I didn't, you know, it's written back in 1971. Uh, I was actually hanging out with Pastor Rick. I didn't know this was a favorite book of his. I was hanging out with him, and I was just, I had this book with me, and he goes, "You're reading that book," and I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "That book changed my life." Hmm. And, Whoa! And, uh, and I was like, Amazon is about to sell out. I know. I was <laughs> like, "Whoa! All right, Keith, traveling <laughs> me. So this is a book about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and so um, this is another book called More by uh, Simon Ponsby. I'm sorry, bro, if I killed your name there. I might have been. He's, uh, he's looks a. right. It looks. Yeah. It looks right. Yes. He's a. He's a really nice man. I've met him once. Um, he is. Uh, he's from England. Another great book on the Holy Spirit, mm. um, where he talks about how you can have more of the Spirit. Uh, right. And then um, this book right here, you know. The, obviously no one's ever heard no of one's ever also. heard of this book Please, before yeah. very um, obscure very obscure very obscure <laughs> book called uh the purpose of a life or in this in the latest version. you know what on earth am i here for yeah um uh you know where's a great book for any new believer to start where's a great book for any believer to Start. it's right here yeah this start right here this mm. is you don't you know you don't need to go any further yeah uh, read it just the way you're supposed to read it you know over 40 days or well, actually this is the updated edition so uh it's even signed look at that Ooh. um uh, do you know Rick Warren? I, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I it's do. like your buds or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're buds. Yeah, I do know him. I know him well. Um, but uh, this is, you know, this is where I would say, hey, just just start right here. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I, it's such a great book too, especially for Salback members. It'll help you understand
1: why we do what we do here because it'll give you kind of the the it personalizes the why why how we do church. Right, It right. Brings it very yeah. personal because exactly. it's taking the purposes and making them, you know, yeah. Down Absolutely. to the heart level.
2: Absolutely. Purpose-driven church was for the pastor, for the churches, church leaders. Purpose-driven life, obviously, is for everyone else, but yeah. also pastors as well. But it does make it does make it to where, like, this is why we do what we do. Right. Uh, this is the kind of the blueprint behind it. Mm. Um, but it's such just a beautiful book for anybody that is just wanting to start out. How can I grow deeper? Just start right here. This is going to give you a great, great foundation across the board. Um, And then, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, know, all of us are trying to find margin and balance in life. And how do we live in this absolutely crazy rat race society with so much technology being thrown out? What does that look like for us? How do we live differently in this? Uh, One of my favorite books is uh, um, Real Simplicity by Randy Frazee. I think Mm. I said his name right. Yep. Um, Randy Frazee. Uh, Just another really great book on trying to find a rhythm. For life, we mm-hmm. need we need rhythms, um, and so for me, when I, I think about the books I want to read, I literally look at the spheres of my life. You know, I've got leadership, uh, I have here in the church. I've got being a dad. I've got you know personal growth. I've got what is God doing with me right now. So I'm mm-hmm. always on this journey if I want more of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so all those things, I, I choose books from that. You know, I would say be real careful on uh, you know when you when you look at books that you're choosing to read. Uh, to make sure that you're not choosing any books where the the author is trying to work out some angst in, mm. in the book, you know, I think we've all kind of read those uh, before. Um, you know, you want I, I always look for authors that uh, have finished the race well and are already gone on to heaven. Uh, mm. that's jack Taylor. he is he has finished the race well. He's mm. already gone on to heaven. um i I love reading authors who who've done really well and finished well. Um, I look for authors that, uh, have a life that I think would be worthy of emulating, at least yeah. from what I at can least think, in an area. In yeah. an yeah. area, at yeah. least in mm-hmm. an area, what I can tell. Um, but I try to stay away from books that are trying to work out angst. I, I yeah. recently, I recently uh, uh, heard of some. Uh, I just somebody had talked about a book they had written where they told everyone to, uh, you know, they should give up their internet and I guess like a hundred or, or give up their cable. Give up their cable is what it was. <laughs> I guess I don't know some absurd number of like 100,000 people or plus families decided to give up their cable. And all I could think about is all the arguments that must have happened yeah. <laughs> in that house when their spouse said, yeah. we're going to give up cable. Honey, especially, I'll have you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, especially around football season, yeah. right? I mean, right. or baseball so season. So much maybe. for the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <it> was, <laughs> I just thought, I just kept thinking to myself, Boy, that is a lot of people who gave up cable, and that must have been a lot of arguments that happened. And <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and then I think the author even, like, kind of apologized, but I, I kind of got the <laughs> feeling like they were kind of working out some of their own angst in yeah. their own books. And so I, I try to avoid those kind of books as yeah. best I can. So awesome! Man,
0: those are such good thoughts, Tommy. Thank you so much for just bringing your yeah, insights with us with today. Us. For thanks for having a lot me. of great recommendations. We'll have links to all those books in the show notes, so you can uh, go and get all the info on those and go buy those suckers. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. All right, all right. All right. Thank thanks you. for watching or listening. See you, we'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning into to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.